world tips upside down in you know, a few hours. They were the last messages we ever had. Well, it didn't even enter my head that he was going to die. And he always used to say to me, you know, this is your bus, you need to learn how to drive it. But it was never meant to be the way it happened. The death of a loved one is one of the hardest things that any of us can endure. Often it's made worse if that death is sudden and unexpected. But what if that loved one was a parent and also your boss and the principal advisor at the family practice? Oh, and all this happened just before a global pandemic, which changed the way we all worked and led to significant market corrections. Adam Geddes of Paul Geddes Wealth Management has been through just that. Today, I talked to Adam about his journey and how he coped with being thrust unexpectedly into a leadership role whilst having to come to terms with his loss. This episode contains some graphic descriptions which some listeners may find distressing. Welcome to The Effective Advisor, a podcast from Change Squared. I'm Ben Wright. Hi Adam, welcome to the podcast. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. All good. I asked Adam to start at the beginning with how he got into financial services. So, I joined this business 15 years ago. I was in and out of jobs, couldn't really settle and find my feet. And I remember it very well. My dad said to me, I'll give you enough rope to hang yourself. Come and work with me. So I did that, uh, bearing in mind you know, I had no experience in financial services. Uh, typing skills were very slow. And he said to me, you know, I started right from the bottom. He said things like emptying the shredder, making me coffee. You know, your mum moans at these things, but these are the things that help me crack on. And then I slowly took an interest in, you know, the fund managers and what they did and, you know, what their targets and objectives was. And then I took my first exam, which was a very basic admin exam. I passed that first time and then did, I think it was FA2, which was a pensions admin one. Passed that first time and I thought, this is a doddle. And then I started taking the real exams, the RO ones, and you know, I passed them uh, a couple of them first time, but most of them took me two or three attempts. And you know, I then went to a training academy and yeah, joined the business. As an advisor, I've been advising for about eight or nine years now. So really, your, your kind of intro into financial services was your dad, your dad's business, and he he taught you everything really from the ground up. Yeah, exactly. You know, I look at our business. You know, we started off in a bedroom at our house. Uh, we're what you call an organic business because we was never given any clients. You know, we just you know picked up clients as we went along. Your mum's been with you from the start as well in business, or with your dad from the start? No, so I joined before my mum, and she joined a couple of years later. But she's been paramount to this business, you know, managing the clients, managing the diaries, you know, pushing more meetings to make sure everybody gets seen if needed. I think it's sometimes underestimated the importance of, of that kind of office manager role uh, yeah. in business, because, you know, you guys are all busy doing what you do. Yeah. Uh, you need someone to oversee what everyone does and, and make sure that the ship keeps running. 100%, you know, absolutely key to this business. 
You said that you're an organic growth business. Mm. So when you became an advisor, did you take on some of your dad's clients or did you have to go and source your own? Well, my dad, you know, made me, you know, go and source my own clients. You know, I was given probably a handful. But, you know, I remember him getting me out, being at Starbucks at seven o'clock in the morning to do the, the networking. And, you know, you stand there like a wet fish. I didn't particularly feel comfortable. You know, I'm the kind of guy that can be out get talking to people wherever I go, but these networking things, I did not enjoy them. But I think it was just all part of the experience. So you kind of built your business over years, in fact, to kind of where it was or where it is now? Yeah, indeed. So, you know, looking, you know, before my dad passed away, you know, we had 700 clients, you know, literally the day he died. And then I took it to 790 clients within two and a half years. So that's the kind of referral rate that I get. You know, every time somebody mentions, you know, a potential client, I'll always write the name down. And then I started to record, you know, who's been giving me these leads. And yeah, I'll just take it from there. As you've heard, things are going well for Adam. He continued to learn from his dad, but he had grown in confidence and really found his feet as an advisor. And then one night, everything changed. Adam walks us through what happened. So 5th of January 2020, you know, our world was just turned upside down. You know, there was no warning whatsoever. So, you know, I went, you know, if we go back from the start in the morning, my youngest daughter, Myla Ray, get this, she was six months old and we had a quick FaceTime with my dad and I said to him, oh, I don't need to take Myla's pushchair, I'll just carry her into the hairdressers. He said, Adam, don't be so stupid. He said, she needs somewhere to sit while you're having your hair cut. I thought, oh yeah, good idea. So, you know, then had my hair cut. My wife, Lisa, she was out and about. Um, and my auntie was a, an alcoholic. You know, she was in and out of hospital for probably 10, 15 years. And I don't know what it was, but I just said to my mum, because it was her sister, I'm going to see Auntie Jane. This was probably, I don't know, three, four o'clock in the afternoon. And she says, oh, are you sure, Adam? You've got Myla. I said, yeah. You know, you never know whether Jane will come out of hospital. So, you know, drove to the Leicester Royal Infirmary, which wasn't too far from where I was. You know, set the pushchair up and took Myla to see, to see Jane. And we had a few pictures. Jane looked, you know, awfully ill, really yellow. But I'm really glad I went to see her, you know, because it put a smile on her face. But also, I had the last ever FaceTime with my dad he was a big fan of James and you know we had a quick FaceTime and you know that was the last FaceTime I ever had. Then went home and we was texting I think about six o'clock about the, the mighty or once mighty Leicester City and they were the last messages we ever had and, and to be fair I had spoken to him two or three times throughout the day you know just about nonsense you know what are you up to and it was quite a strange day because he was just chilling at home something that he, he never really did. So it was nice for him to have some downtime. And then 11 o'clock at night, I was getting into bed and my wife Lisa said, your sister's calling, should I answer? And people say, if you get a phone call that time of night, you know, it's something to be worried about, but there was no alarm bells, nothing at all. I said, yeah, of course you should. And she said to me, I think your dad's had a heart attack. And, you know, put my shorts on, T-shirt on, jumped in the car, and you know, I was driving as quick as I could to, to go and see him. 
I didn't really think, well, it didn't even enter my head that he was going to die. You know, in our line of work, you talk to a lot of people, you know, from all walks of life. And people that have heart attacks are generally overweight, smokers. You know, my dad was a ex-sportsman, Leicester City footballer, wasn't carrying any weight. So I thought heart attack, you know, it would be sound in a week or two. Uh, as I got closer to the house, and you know, bearing in mind it was probably only a 10 minute drive, my mum said, talk to him, Adam, just in case he can hear you. And again, there was still no, no alarm bells ringing massively. I knew something was up, you know, I'm not stupid. And I just said, don't worry, Dad, I'll be there in a minute. And when I got there, you know, the ambulances were outside the house. And I ran up to his bedroom and he was on the floor you know, just in his boxes and they had a machine called the Lucas machine around him, which does the compressions. And I took a picture of him. You know, this is how, I wouldn't say relaxed, but you know, death wasn't an option to me. I thought he was gonna be fine. So I took a picture of him and I thought, I'll show him this next week. And I can just see him to this day saying, nah, that's not me. You know, he just would not believe this. Um, they then started to do the defibrillator the electric shocks and you know you see the TV programs and a couple of shocks and you know next thing they come back around to life so I thought that was going to happen and they then pulled me to one side and they said look Adam you know we've tried for an extra 20 minutes because of you you know even if we get him now there's less than a one percent chance that he wouldn't be severely brain damaged and you know that's when I thought you know what's not a swear word uh, damn we're in trouble here um, so I helped the paramedics lift him onto the bed and you know we spent some time with him before you know the undertakers came and you know they took you know three or four hours to come so you know I had a, a drink at the house uh, first thing I did was put his watch on I thought you know I'll wear his watch he's, he's not going to need this anymore and you know it's a keepsake but you know I look around the house in the lounge there's two San Miguel bottles so I thought, you know, at least he had a, a little drink before he went out. And, you know, if we look back to how my mum found him, you know, this was just complete sudden death. You know, there was no warning whatsoever. He, he never complained of chest pains or, or anything. So, you know, my mum said it was a normal day. Yes, yeah, sorry, a normal evening. Watching, uh, sorry, they had dinner and then they were watching TV in bed. And my dad said to my mum, here's the controls, I'm going to sleep. And about half an hour later, she went to the toilet. And instead of using the, the ensuite, she used the main bathroom. She thought, I don't want to wake him up. She said as she came back into the bedroom, she put her hand on the door and he just made a <gasps> sound. You know, she shouted, Paul, no response. You know, she was tapping him on his shoulder, no response. And she said as she tapped him, his face sort of swung round to hers. And she thought, you know, she said she knew then this was it. She had to get him off the bed to do CPR. And she said, you know, I now know what people mean by dead weight. You know, to get him off the bed, six foot two, 14 stone. Uh, so she did all the CPR until the paramedics arrived and, you know, they, they tried their best to, to save him. But, you know, I'll tell you one thing, it changes your, your view on paramedics and, you know, the ambulances. You know, when you see them going by and they've got the, the flashing lights on, I look at it in a completely different light now. You know, I think, bloody hell, what are they going to save? You know, what are they going to see? And, you know, you then look at, uh, you know, the time of the year when it happened. You know, 5th of January, 
Now I now know that there's a backlog over Christmas, unfortunately, from people passing away. Uh, he had to have a post-mortem, you know, because this was a sudden death. And then he was cremated 6th of February, 2020. And then of course, you know, March 2020 was the worldwide lockdowns, which was just horrific. You know, looking back, you know, the business leader, mentor, best friend, you know, the whole shebang gone. And then the markets dropped 20%. And I think, bloody hell, could have left me, mate, when the markets were 20% up, you know. But, you know, as I said, I've been in the business for many years and, you know, I knew this day was coming, you know, where I'd take the business. He always used to say to me, you know, this is your bus, you need to learn how to drive it. But it was never meant to be the way it happened. You just can't believe it. You know, to have somebody well, and well, looking well, with you one minute and just gone the next. You know, there's no warning, there's no chance to say goodbye. It was just absolutely brutal. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I'd just like to take 30 seconds of your time to tell you about today's sponsor, which is TOMD. TOMD is a preferred marketing partner of hundreds of financial services firms looking to change the way they promote their business. With a full calendar of compliance-approved content written by wealth management and financial services experts, they're here to support your marketing efforts at every important point of the financial year. From the upcoming autumn statement to end-of-year tax planning, from Pension Awareness Week to festive greetings, they can provide effective and relevant content tailored to your audience. Change up your marketing with TOMD. Visit tomd.co.uk forward slash change to find out more. Let's now go back to the show where Adam tells us what happened next. I mean, that is a, a, a huge, uh, perfect storm almost of events, isn't it? Mm. All, all occurring within a short period. Yeah. How do you even start to process... Well, firstly, the, the, the loss of your dad so mm. suddenly, but then immediately afterwards, the, kind mm. of the, the COVID and, and everything else that happened. Yeah, well, you know, the business was my dad's pride and joy. You know, he built it up himself. He never, ever wanted to let anybody down. And, you know, people often see wealth management on the door and think you, you've got to have loads of money to deal with this, but it's not. You know, in our case, you know, we help people with £50 a month into an ISA, and of course we help people with bigger money. But... You know, I promised him when he was, you know, officially dead on the bedroom floor that the business would be okay. You know, because that was so important to him and me and to my mum as well. So, you know, my mum came into the office on the Monday, so he was pronounced dead. I think it was, you know, one o'clock Sunday morning. And she came into the office Monday morning to tell the team what had happened. And I said, if you're going in, then I'm coming in. And she says, I'm just go upstairs while I tell them. You know, and she told them, and then I came downstairs, and you just can't believe it. You know, to have somebody well, and well, looking well, with you one minute and just gone the next. You know, there's no warning, there's no chance to say goodbye. It was just absolutely brutal. But I said to my mum, I said, I'm going to do my dad's meetings today. So, you know, he'd been passed away 24 hours, whatever it was. And the chair I'm sat in now, you know, I sat and did two of his meetings for him. Because that was just a, you know, a dedication to my dad, a tribute, so to speak. And you know, people were were really, really supportive. But when you close that door at night 
and you're there on your own, you know, you, your mind starts to play, you know, starts to talk to you. Yeah, you know, I remember being in this office and, you know, a young solicitor who I'd not long met came to see me and I think we had a meeting probably five o'clock, so in January, you know, it starts to get dark then. And at that point, you know, she was leaving and I nearly said to her, it was only because I didn't know her very well that I didn't, do you mind staying while I lock up? <laughs> you know, because you can feel the presence, you know, I'm not religious in any way, shape or form, but you know, nobody can tell me I couldn't feel him in the, the first few weeks after him passing away. But I remember calling my mum and I said, oh, just stay on the phone while I lock up. And she says, why, Adam? He's not going to hurt you. <laughs> I thought, right, now you can definitely stay on the phone. And, you know, we've had no time off. You know, yeah, I've been on family holidays and, you know, the odd day, a way to do things with the family. But, you know, it's just been business as usual. I mean, that, that's incredible, I mm. think, to, to, to go through that, that sudden loss experience and mm. just be able to continue. I think most people would need would need to take some time, really, to kind of let it sink in almost and, and go through the grief process. Yeah, I just felt like, you know, as I said, my dad never, ever wanted to let a client down. So, you know, this ship had to keep sailing. It's as simple as that. And, you know, don't get me wrong, there was times where it was hard. And I think talking to, to clients as well helped me because you had to go over the story so many times. And, you know, that in a way is a, a way of therapy, you know, because you're talking about what happened and it also takes your mind off things. And it just shows the dedication from the whole team here. You know, we carried on. In terms of the business, what, what, were you able quite quickly just to, you know, you came in the day afterwards. Mm. Is, was the business set up in a way that you could just carry on without disruption? It was, you know, for about two months. Because, yeah, you know, I knew what to do. And back in those days, you know, I had my briefcase or a, a big paper file there. And, you know, if anybody asked me questions, I could flick through and get what I needed. You then throw into the equation, you know, worldwide pandemic. Uh, you know, worldwide lockdowns. And then all of a sudden, that personal interaction, you know, face-to-face -face meetings have gone. And you start to think, right, I need to adapt here. Um, you know, a few people supported me. Kevin Hollerin, Liz Robinson, uh, Andy Marks, Dean Williams. You know, these people were just phenomenal, you know, when you needed them. And I always remember Liz saying to me, you know, Adam, it's just a number. You know, when you're dealing with higher network clients, you know, it's just a one in front of it. That's all it is. Um, but, you know, as I go back to the lockdowns, you start to think, right, I need to adapt here. And we brought an iPad. You know, I already had an iPad, but this was the, the bigger one, iPad Pro. And, you know, you start to link that with your Zoom meetings. And that was just a game changer. Because if you talk to somebody about, you know, carving up a pension verbally, you can lose them very quickly. So I'm very visual with, you know, my meetings, constantly drawing you know, showing them how the wills and trusts are set up and, you know, how to carve up a pension. And, you know, I've been to two meetings this morning and I'll just take the iPad. I've got everything loaded in there in a click of a finger. So, yeah, everything was set up, but then you, you throw a worldwide pandemic, it changes it very quickly. How, how did you find the transition of going from, because in, in effect you became the, the principal of the business mm. overnight, so you know one day you're the advisor, the next day it's your business. Mm. How, how did you find that transition? Yeah, very difficult. Yeah, and there's one person that you know, I wanted to give a special shout out to, was Andy Carlisle. Andy's a business development manager at The National. 
So, you know, he experienced similar things with his dad, you know, when he, was, he passed away in a very similar way, Andy was 15, but, you know, he came into this office, you know, two days after my dad passed away, and he says, I'm here to help this business. And as you say, I was just the advisor then, you know, a development advisor at that. So to make the transition from, you know, being the advisor to being the, the business leader, you know, there's been lots of bumps in the road. You know, it's not been plain sailing. When you look at, you know, giving clients advice and, you know, you finish maybe five o'clock, you go home, that's me switched off. But when you're, you know, leading the business and driving it, you know, that doesn't stop. So, you know, you'll be doing emails and yeah, I'm pretty good now where five, six o'clock, that's me done. I might send the odd email, but, you know, it's very important to, to have you time as well, because I think 2021, we was we were working till seven, eight o'clock at night. And then you go home, Lisa's had the kids all day, and I'd walk in, it'll be your turn. If <laughs> you think, bloody hell, there's just no respite here. So yeah. What, what do you think the, the biggest challenge was in stepping up to that new principal role? Mm. The biggest challenge was, I think, grief. You know, make no mistake about it, grief's just such a funny thing, and you go through roller coasters of emotions. I didn't like my dad at one point, you know, didn't mean I didn't love him, but I thought, you've left me, you've left me in it as well. And two weeks later, he's my best mate again. And then you just go on a roller coaster of emotions and, you know, different cycles. But, you know, the difficult, the most difficult thing was to be, you know, looking at this business in a completely different way. Before you do your job, you go home, but, you know, you, now you're thinking about cash flow, you know, you're thinking about the team. You know, there was one member of the team who started in the August and the business leader died in the, the December. So, yeah, it was just looking at the business in a completely different light and it just doesn't stop. Just simple as that. But, yeah, with great support, you know, from a lot of people which helped me. I hope you're enjoying the show. But interestingly, most people who listen aren't subscribed. So if I can just ask one thing, is to hit that subscribe button now. It really does make more of a difference than you could possibly imagine. The more subscribers we get, the better guests we get, the bigger the show gets, and the more help we can give you in becoming the effective advisor. Let's get back to the show. If, if you take your experience that you, or the experience that you have now, after mm. kind of going through what you have done, there would be many, many other people around in a similar business structure to you, wh yes. whether it be business partners or two business partners, or there are a lot of businesses where it is parent and child who, mm. who run the business together. Um, no one expects the worst to happen. Mm. What advice would you give to them to get them ready in case it does? You know, I, I say to people quite openly now, you know, when the, the time arises, you know, just talk to your children. You know, tell them what you want from them because it's made it easier for me. You know, it's not made it easier, but it's made it easier. You know, I know Liz Robinson, you know, she's actually written a letter to her children, you know, for when she goes. Liz is another advisor at the National. Goes. And, you know, you've got clear instructions on there. You know, this is what to do. You know, not telling you how to live your life, but these are my wishes. So it's just being, you know, just mindful that Everybody thinks it will never happen to you, you know, but one day, you know, we're not indestructible. Something is going to happen. And, you know, 
as I say, I talk to my four-year-old, my eight-year-old and 13-year-old and say to them, you know, you can be anything in this world. And if I'm no longer here, just remember I'm always watching over you and just have a good attitude. And to me, it's just being more open about death. Well, it happens to all of us, doesn't it, at some point mm. or other, it's, uh, but it is still a taboo subject, I think, for many people. Yeah, indeed. You know, I spoke to a client last week and every time I see them, you know, I say to them, you need to put your wills in place and power of attorney. And to him, it feels like it's, you know, almost sealing the deal. I'm on the way out if I do this. But, you know, it's just being open and, you know, just making you, you making sure you're okay financially. You know, not everybody's got money to, to go and do nice things, but, you know, for a small amount of money, you can put life insurance in place, income protection, and you know, I've done all of that for my family. And, you know, if anything happens to me, you know, I know they'll be okay. But, yeah, it's just, just looking at yourself and, you know, looking at your family structure, thinking, you know, what's important? Yeah, money's not everything. You know, you've got to show the love and, and all those sorts of things. And, you know, I take my hat off to all of my family. You know, I've not been an easy guy to deal with for, you know, at times for the last three and a half years. But, you know, again, working in a family business, it's completely different to what our relationship's like outside of work. So, you know, when I'm in the, the chair here, I'm sat there, I'm thinking, you know, how can I help this client? And it's just, yeah, just be prepared. Anything can happen. And from a, a, a business perspective, obviously you've had to step in and, and learn how to be an owner. Mm. Would you advocate that people try and help um, expose others to that type of thing sooner so that they don't have to do it as a snap on day one when something happens? 100%. Just about preparing the next generation, you know, looking at your team around you and, you know, just making sure that if you're no longer here, they know what they're doing. You've got succession planning in place because, you know, I owe everything to my dad. It's as simple as that. You know, when I was, you know, not in a great position, younger, you know, couldn't find stability in jobs, you know, he gave me the chance. And, you know, he did all the believing in me. And it just, you know, it's paid dividends. What do you, what do you think he'd say to you now? What, without swearing? <laughs> what would he say? <laughs> he'd probably say, well done, my boy. I knew you could do this. Something along those lines, but why didn't you do this sooner? But until you're in that position, sink or swim, and you know, I was swimming all day long. Let's talk about business since then. So you had the pandemic, which mm. changed how everyone operated, and you moved to a Zoom-based model. Yes. Have you kept that post-pandemic? Yes, indeed. So as I said to you earlier, I've done two meetings today. I've got the iPad, I've got OneNote loaded in there. You know, you've got all your security and, you know, your cyber backups on there. You know, so the whole thing's protected. But I use something called OneNote and that's just a game changer for me. You know, I've got the client's file in there. I've got the, the previous notes from the meetings. You know, I'm a big believer in, you know, just doing the right thing every time for the client. You know, I don't get bogged down in conversations over you know performance anymore I know I can go into a meeting and you know it's just about you know, finding out about them you know, we, we talk about personal stuff before we get down to business but 
I know, click of a fingers, they can ask me anything they want and I can just tap on documents for all meetings and I can show them. You know, whereas back in the day it was, you know, oh, I've got something. Let me just get my briefcase out and flicking through. Now, within 20 seconds, I've got you the answer. Since the passing of his dad, Adam has continued to grow Paul Geddes Wealth Management, leaving the name in tribute. It's been amazing to talk to him and hear his story. Few people would have had as much drive to carry on as him and his mum have in the face of such adversity. Adam puts it down to wanting to do his dad proud, but mostly to ensure his clients are well looked after. We wrap up today's interview with our customary quickfire questions to find out a bit more about the man himself. But before I start the questions, I ask Adam if there's anything which I've not covered but he thinks I should have. Here's what he said. I thought he was going to say you want to work with me. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got a job going. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll come on to that one. But yeah, quickfire questions. As I said, just be prepared for anything. What motivates you? Doing the right thing for the clients, every client, every time. You, know, you just get a, a buzz knowing you've done the right thing for the client. What's your favourite thing to do at the weekend? Avoid my wife and children, no, not really. Uh, favourite thing at the weekend? Yeah, just spending quality family time. You know, we live a very busy lifestyle. You know, there's not many days where we just sat doing nothing, so. Yeah, just spending time with the kids and wife. Uh, what's something you've always wanted to do, but haven't yet had the chance? Uh, don't know, I've done quite a lot of things. <laughs> um, I don't know, maybe a skydive or something like that. I've always thought, wow, that looks amazing, but you'd have to push me out of a plane. You do get pushed. Yeah, I'd have to be. <laughs> <laughs> Having done a tandem skydive. Oh, have you done one When it's you? time to go, the, yeah. the instructor that's strapped to your back, he pushes. Bloody <laughs> hell. That moment, you know, just before you go out of the plane, you'd be absolutely terrified. Well, I would be anyway. What's something you've changed your mind about in the last year? Uh, what have I changed my mind about? Hmm, interesting question. I think when you look at, you know, working with Simon Curley and, you know, you're looking about, as I said, intergenerational planning, you know, it's easy to go and do a will. You know, most people leave it to their spouse and then they leave it to the children. And, you know, just looking at that and thinking, right, you know, this should be different because, you know, as we say, one in two marriages end up in divorce and, you know, somebody walks out the door with some of your family's wealth. You know, when you relate that to clients, you know, that's been a big conversation that I've been having this year. So, yeah, I'd say it's that. What's the most important life lesson you've learned? As I said, just believe in yourself. You know, you can be anything in this world. Doesn't matter what background you come from, doesn't matter what qualifications you have, you know, your money is the same colour as everybody else's and, you know, just have the determination and, you know, as my dad said to me so many times growing up, this used to drive me mad, you know, you need to have a good attitude, you need to have a good attitude and you need to have a good attitude, so, yeah, that's it.
Thank you ever so much for uh, for your time today. No really appreciate it. It's been uh, it's been really great talking to you. It's, if somebody takes something from this and it helps them, you know that'll make me very happy. So, you know, thank you for choosing me, and uh, yeah, all the best. Brilliant. Thank you. That's it for this episode. My key takeaway is that none of us last forever. Whilst we talk about intergenerational planning with our clients, we should probably do it a lot sooner in our businesses, but more importantly, in our own lives. Thank you for listening, and as always, I'll catch you in the next one.